Hi, I'm Greg. I'm Andy. And this is Equity. Where we spill all the tea on equity. This is part three of our Black History Month series. If you haven't already listened to part one and two, we highly recommend going back and listening to those first. We talked with Minister Deborah Williams, founder and CEO of Building Resilient Communities, and Dr. Regina Patton-Stell, president of the NAACP Riverside Chapter and co-founder of the Anti-Racist Riverside, about how we, Riverside County, can empower the black community. Let's get into it. Um, I think one of the ways that Riverside County Public Health yes. can empower the black community is hire people who are willing to get to know the black community. Hire people, and I don't just mean the equity team. The equity team is there. Otherwise, I wouldn't be sitting here, right? The, the great thing the equity team did when COVID hit, yes, they gave funding to the large organizations that they typically work with, but they were targeting and finding the small community-based organizations for the populations they wanted to really serve us for the black community. You know, TODIC for the uh, immigrant family uh, community. You know, all the different groups for the Latin community. Um, equity, the equity team has it. They just have to do a whole lot more than what's being done. But I know the equity team is new also. And I think even that is huge, that Riverside County Public Health has an equity team, a real equity team. It's not just lip service equity team. Um, overall public health, I think overall public health needs to get to where equity public health is. Okay. Um, I'm seeing that some of the lessons, some of the amazing lessons that we learned during COVID are not being passed on. Yeah, I would say if you really want to help the African-American, the black community, look at your own systems, public health. Where's the systemic racism in your own systems and programs and services and people? That by itself, like the anti-racism movement, and I think one of the things they're doing is looking at the different policies and procedures and, and systems in mm -hmm. Riverside mm -hmm. and calling out, rooting out, you know, what's discriminatory, mm -hmm. what's not equity. If public health would do that, that would be a wonderful start. I, I've, I'm on, I think it's the, the task force uh, for when public health um, uh, proclaimed racism as a public health crisis. Mm -hmm. I'm on that community task force. I wanna see that happen in real terms. I wanna see that work completed in real, tangible, I can see it ways. If they do that, 
If public health does all that I just said, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's a start. Leadership starts from the top. Leadership begins at the top. Quickly, let me just say, and I left county schools early 2000, but when the chiefs of mental health, DPSS, health department, even brought the judges in, presiding judges, when you connect the chiefs, you will see some changes. Clear messaging. Clear messaging on the message you really want to convey. Health covers everything. We talked about the disparities that were uncovered. All of them can fit under health. It's called life. It's called longevity. Employee campaign. You got the power. You have employees that have families, that have families, that will be having families. Educate, educate, educate. Require, require people to be involved. Start in the workspace. We all cram for time. Create space for equity conversations, mm-hmm. for book reads within the organization. These, you can't change people's hearts. God and education, new information. Black history, yes, we're celebrating it. But history is history. Why are we not being focused on what's happening to eradicate people's history? People's think about that. Think about that. Recognize, never touched on this, the systemic obstacles that have been in place so long that we can't even see them. We can't even see them. It's like being in a dark room and not seeing the light. You gotta call it out. You gotta deal with it. You have to reconcile. Staffing. Staffing, look at your staffing. Mm -hmm. Look at the top, look all the way through. All the way through. You have to hold your leadership accountable Mm -hmm. within your organization and for your people that are funding them. The board. Why is it that we got that resolution um, passed and it didn't move? We had three board of supervisors with us and four not, or two not. No, they had the minority. Like she said, policies are great. They sit on the table. You have to actualize it. You have to be held accountable. You have to be able to measure it. Yeah. Because you got people in the room counting betting on this won't be measured. But like Deborah and I know, oh, we're gonna win this. We're gonna win this. So let's be smart. Let's get together. Because all of us at stake. We're all interwoven in that. We're all interwoven. It's still we're all interwoven as people. That's it. I'm done. You know, I think like since you mentioned policy, one of our questions that we'd like to ask you is what role do policy and advocacy play in addressing racial disparities? Like, um, yeah, well, policy becomes tries off with resolutions and then policy and then legislation. That's the progress. You have to understand it, understand each system has its checkpoints, and know it, understand how you move from advocacy, campaigning, advocacy, policy, and legislation. You got to have legislation. 
And you have to understand who the players are in each one of those arenas yourself and figure out what needs to be done. Yeah, and I, you know, I would add, um, make sure you have the right people at the table. And I, I mean that in, in two ways. Recently, I've had the privilege of being a part of a few focus groups. And I've been amazed that still, in tw now 2023, I'm the only one who's black sitting at the table. Mm -hmm. And there, if, if it were not for the COVID work, that we have been doing that I probably wouldn't even have been at those tables. I didn't know those tables even existed, right? Mm -hmm. And now here I am at the table and I'm realizing I'm still the only one at the table. Yeah. How can you, I want, I want agencies to stop doing stuff to people. I want them to ask people what they need. At the same time, I want us as black folks to tell our story. You've been hearing our pain. Mm -hmm. We're not laying in bed crawled up in the fetal position because of it, it's what is fueling us. But so many times, it doesn't matter what group it is, Asian, Latin, African-American, yeah, I know for a fact. We as African-Americans talk about things amongst ourselves, but we don't say it to other groups. I'm on a campaign. I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to stop keeping it to myself. Because when, when white people are saying, I don't understand. I don't understand. That's not my experience. You know, be cultural coaches. That's what I call them. Be a cultural coach. No, you don't want to, you know, cast pearls to the swines. You don't want to tell everybody everything and they don't care anyway. But the people who really do want to be allies, who really do want to learn. Civil rights didn't happen just black people by themselves. Absolutely. The history is that it was actually started by um, across, actually with white people, white abolitionists, you know, and Jewish. The first alliance was with the um, uh, anti-Jewish anti group. If you read this history. Even if you look at you yeah. know, the 60s. Defamation. You know, anti-defamation. Even if you look at the 60s. You know, we, we it's not just us by ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's everybody coming together. Mm -hmm. It's, it, you know, white people being allies. Mm -hmm. Latin people being allies. Mm -hmm. We haven't even talked about the fact mm -hmm. of the division mm -hmm. between, you know, black folks and Latin folks. Mm -hmm. I was really surprised in my multicultural classes at USC 
that we are more prejudiced against each other. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's by design. Yes. Absolutely. Divide and conquer, right? Yes. Yes. Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. Mm -hmm. So so we, you know, we need to tell our story. We we need to hear your story. That's right. We we need we need white people to really hear our story. Mm -hmm. I keep hearing all of the but it's the way it's being done. We are so loud. We are so passionate. You're so animated. You're so. We've been telling this story since slavery. Yeah. How long are we gonna tell the story and nothing change? Yeah. And the reality of it is too is some of our um, distributors. That's just who we are. We are animated people. We are loud. We are absolutely. We're passionate. What? Right? So should that is it a negative trait? What who gives us like anger? Who gives us Who gives us say what negative is? Mm-hmm. The world, the United States, is very different now. We have to learn how to how to live in this new environment. People of color, we're going to speak up. We're going to we're going to change the norms, right? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, in that one last, I, I would say, stop using the word minorities. Exactly. We're the, we, we are the majority now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true, and that's and that's real, and that's really what this all this this tension is all about. It's transition. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's like really learn about Black history. I mean, there's so many things that people probably think white people did, and no, it was Black people that did it, right? Uh, really, um, really dive deep. You know, uh, I, I'm going to talk about a volunteer that we have in our, on our team, and he's white, and he's the most amazing person. He's number one analytical, right? Mm-hmm. But he wants to learn. He thirsts to learn. He wants to understand. And he doesn't take on the sense of, oh, I'm so sorry that happened. Oh, I'm so sorry. He doesn't take on the, but my people didn't do that. We didn't know. He doesn't do any of that. He just doesn't. He, but he absorbs. He wants to learn. He truly is an ally. Become an ally. Don't just assume you know. You don't know. My mother used to always say, you don't know. Go to the party anyway. Go to the party. Celebrate because it's a celebration. Yes. Trust me, the celebration is probably going to have something there for you. Yes. Celebrate white brothers and sisters. Celebrate. Come to the parties. You guys know you love our parties anyway. Come to the parties <laughs> anyway. That's a very nice term. Like, I don't like it. I don't go to the party anyway. Go, go to the party. You may just learn something. Can you share your organization? Um, you know, what, what you guys do, how it's impacting Riverside community, yeah. and why it's important. Okay. So um, building resilient communities, we started in, in 2012. And the way we started is a whole other story. <laughs> we can talk about that another time. But um, we are responsible for disaster preparedness, response, and recovery. And what we realized early on 
is that it's the same communities that are impacted by disasters more extremely than other communities. And, you know, it's the BIPOC community, the Black, Indigenous, People of Color communities, right? And so we started working with the Houses of Worship. And I'm saying Houses of Worship because it's not just the churches, it's all faiths, um, to help them prepare for a disaster. Because when the fire's out, the fire department leaves. Mm -hmm. When the bad guys are caught, the police departments leave. But it's typically the houses of worship, the nonprofits, the community-based organizations that have to pick up the pieces. They're still there. When we talk about uh, recovery from a disaster, typically a natural disaster, or I should now say weather-related disaster, um, it might take 10 years or longer, really, for that community to recover just to get back to where they were, let alone better, right? And so we um, realized that we needed to work with the houses of worship first to help them get prepared. Because if they're not prepared, they can't help anybody else. They just become part of the disaster. And then we expanded that. We now work with the youth. We help small businesses get prepared. And then recently we've started an initiative that we call the Arc of Safety Community Resiliency Summit, where if you think about an iceberg, we have, um, we've taken that concept and everything that we have been doing to help the communities, whether it's with COVID or any type of a weather-related disaster, or even when we had the terrorist attack in San Bernardino County, we were involved in that also. Um, but we decided that we keep seeing the same communities get impacted. So what can we do? What's the root cause? So uh, you know, all the work that we do is above the surface of that iceberg. It's what you can see happening, but it sometimes feels like it's the symptoms of what's really going on. So we've now taken a deep dive in below the surface to look at what are the root causes? What are the barriers that people are facing? What are the systemic issues that people are, are having to deal with? Some of the things that we've already been, <laughs> that we've already been talking about, right? We're not the only ones facing those things. So that's what Building Resilient Communities is about. And I, I'm gonna share a flyer with you, uh, our next um, reconvening for the summit work. Uh, is coming up in uh, June. It's going to be June 15th, and I'll share that flyer with you so you can put the word out to everybody. But we need whole community to come and be at the table. We need everybody's voice to figure out what's going on. It, it all started in Riverside County because uh, public health, Riverside County Public Health Equity, uh, asked us to come and take the lead on COVID response for the African-American community. And that's actually how I met Dr. Patton Stell, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so we have been uh, working since 2000, 2000, 2020, 2020 to uh, help the Riverside African-American community. I mean, we work with everybody, you know, but we have been laser focused mm -hmm. on helping to educate the African-American community about COVID about vaccines, 
uh, help work, uh, lead, <clears throat> serve as a liaison between the black churches and public health to do clinics uh, that you know really are targeting the African-American community. People need to see people who look like us. Yes. Or who look like them. The right? representation. And, and so that's, you know, the trusted messengers. We know a lot of the trusted messengers, especially from the faith-based community, you know. And so that's what we've been doing. When we started in 20, 2021 with the vaccinations, uh, I think it was March, only about just over 9% of the African-American community was vaccinated in, you know, shot one and shot two. And um, by, I think, May of last year, we had gotten up to uh, just over 50%. Wow. Huge <laughs> success. Yeah. It's huge success. So it not only helped the community, but it opened up this relationship that we now have with uh, public health. Yeah. And now, actually, as Dr. Stell said, you know, San Bernardino County has looked at what we've been doing over here and said, can you please come and help us? Because our, 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 our rates are not the same, mm -hmm. you know. So that's a little bit about building resilient communities and how we're helping uh, the Riverside community. And how can people find you and get involved? So our website is really simple, BRC building resilient communities, B-R-C-U-S dot O-R-G. And there's lots of information on our website. Um, they can also uh, contact us through that website and we can have them work with our community engagement team, uh, which is led by um, Kathleen Carroll. And uh, her email is Kathleen, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N, at brcus.org. Or if they're interested in our programs, they can contact Jim Smith. And again, it's simple, Jim, J-I-M, <laughs> at brcus.org. We're looking for volunteers. We're looking for donors. <laughs> people yes. to help us do all of this work mm -hmm. you know um, but it you know we're willing to come out and speak we're willing to talk about what we do and um, those kinds of things yeah we just want to be of service to the community awesome thank you can you share a little bit about the NAACP and also anti-racist Riverside anti-racist Riverside I mentioned earlier I was one of the founders of that they had the George mm -hmm. Floyd incident they're doing amazing work. I'm not there with them as much because I'm all over the county and I have many, many committees and campaigns. Um, but I would say, if you don't do anything else, go to the Anti-Racist Riverside page and look up Truth, Racial Healing, and Transformation. That is a webinar. It's from two days to three days. You can do it a week. But change my life, my thought of what has to be done. I think everyone should do that. I want to make sure that I mention our priorities this year. Now, it's always been police reform, but we have a legislation bill that we are pushing. And I don't want to butcher it, but I will say that across the country, we have realized that people are being pulled over when they should be pulled over. There's yeah. some legislation that we're going to push and get it passed. 
um, so that people aren't pulled over for frivolous things and possibly end up dead. Um, Finally, call us IE Underground. Yeah, underground railroad. That's yep. what this is. We have new conductors. Yeah, but it's an underground railroad. So I guess my coin. Trouble yep. Trouble. I got me. We're getting in good trouble, right? <laughs> good trouble. <laughs> Not, so most people, I don't meet too many people who haven't heard the term NAACP. That's the National Association of Advancement of Colored People. Some people have some concern with the term. <laughs> I would say get this book. It's 100 years. This was a centennial production. Now we're at 119 years, I think. Um, but I think that at the very beginning, the forward was instrumental to me. It was, um, they captured the term colored. At the time, that was one of the terms used to describe black people. But they said it's still relevant today. If you guys know attorney um, Jack Clark Jr., he, he says this, as long as we see people getting shot and killed in the streets that are black, brown, Asian, we need a civil rights organization. This is the largest, longest lasting civil rights organization in the country. It is also the source of many, uh, probably all the legislation that has been passed to eradicate racism and bigotry. So I would say get this book. It is available. I also would say that we have a broad umbrella. Health is one of the umbrellas, and that's the work we're doing. We really emerged in that. But all of it is encompassed under what we say political action, because one thing we've learned is the people you elect affects your health and your history and your longevity. So political action is an action group for us or a campaign initiative, criminal justice. And I always say my magic sauce is faith. We are connected to, and now we broaden it to include spheres of religious places of worship, whether they're Muslims, ever. I mean, I'm, I talk to Rabbi, we talk to everybody, because the faith is that power that we need, no matter where you are, um, to motivate forward. I kept stringing up economics. We have an economics team. We have um, environmental justice is sort of new. And I am so proud. One of the strongest initiatives that and you'll you probably will hear from them. You hear from them more and more and more every day. We mirror, we have an adult branch and we have a youth and college branch. Youth and college, you can come in in middle school and you go through 25. But we are training civil rights advocates, community activists for tomorrow. Our, our website changed and we're still transitioning, but it's RiversideNACP.org. I think it used to have another name, so now we have two web. Also, um, text us, 484848 is the number. And then in your message box, you just want to put capital letters, N-A-A-C-P, leave a space, 1059. 1059 is the number the national has given us. Again, we started out just at Riverside. We are countywide. There's a small branch in the Southwest area, but almost everything comes through us. And then this in the Southwest, Marietta, Temecula, or um, like elsewhere, I believe, we will contact that. They have a new president, so we'll have to reach out and meet. But we need everyone, everyone to join. The NACP membership is only $30 a year. That membership fee has 
and kept that low because this is a community level organized campaign. We want your neighbor, your neighbor, and your neighbor to be a part of it. I am convinced the stronger we make this organization with our strategic partners, we will meet the challenge of the day. I love Riverside. I love Riverside County. I've been here since I was 26, but we're changing. The dynamics of the demographics are changing and we have the skill, we have the right to have a voice at the table and we need to do it together. So I encourage you today to join, of course, NACP with $3 a year, get on one of these committees and we will see you in the victory room as we call it. This is IE Underground and we know the story. Rick, we're the conductors that deliver freedom. Thank you. Very grateful for having you guys here. We really it was appreciate wonderful. it. Thank you so Thank you. much. I hope you enjoyed part three of our three-part Black History Month series. For more information about our speakers and their organizations, please see the show notes. Stay tuned for our next episode with Riverside County's Public Health Equity Director, Salome Waga, as she discusses the creation and purpose of our health equity team. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. We appreciate your support. Bye. Bye.